On today's episode, what is your value as a DIY musician? Cue title sequence. 30 Minute Music Marketing. For musicians who want to get better at marketing their music. Hi, I'm Greg. Hello, I'm Sheldon, and this is 30 Minute Music Marketing, the show for DIY artists and independent musicians who want to get better at marketing their music. Hi, I uh, hope you've enjoyed our recent two episodes on branding. That was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, this, uh, today's episode, and indeed next week's, is, uh, is part of our deep dive section where we don't necessarily look at music marketing. We look at all the other aspects that, that concern uh, DIY musicians, and this particular episode and next week's is based upon uh, a series of tweets I spotted on the Twitter sphere and I just thought oh that, that's quite good it, it gives us uh, something to have a look at and discuss shall I sort of I, I briefly um, um, summarised and clarified you know when, the, when you write in they say um, um, magazines say letters will be edited for clarity oh okay yes so uh, I've took a, a couple of tweets from from a mm. DIY artist so we literally are diving straight in aren't we're diving we? sorry we're not yeah no, no, no messing about this. don't forget we've only got about 50 minutes yeah okay just want to say thanks one. to all those who are subscribed okay yes if you're on the YouTube <clears throat> thanks for subscribing and um, subscribe to us on, on your preferred um, podcasting platform of choice. And ask us some questions. Give us some stuff yes. so we've got things to talk about. Hashtag content, hashtag content. So this came okay, from a, a band who was based in the northwest of England. Obviously, we're based in the UK. I'm just remembering this thing. It what? just made me laugh. No, like, it, it, you know, some of these, some of these were, were quite sort of valid questions. And the, the general gist of the conversation was thus, uh, we're trying to play, this is the banding question, trying to play a gig in Brighton, which, if you're based in the northwest of England, it's about 250, maybe 300 miles away, which in the UK at least, if you're watching in America, you'll probably think that's absolutely nothing. Yeah. We'll do, you know, we'll do that in a day. But that, that's quite a significant distance to travel if, if you're in the UK and you're a band. And they said it would cost us £700 for us to get the train. Why do mid-distance gigs pay the same as they did 10 years ago while everything else is far more expensive? A year ago, I would have been able to afford the deposit on a car hire to get to Brighton. As it is, we have a relatively small band kitty for our, in inverted commas, profits, which we rarely see, uh, profits that is, as we pay for our own travel a lot. After nearly a year, we don't have any merch because we don't have £200 to blow on T-shirts because we really need the money for petrol, trains, digs, that sort of thing. So that, that was, that was the, the, the conversation that that particular band was, uh, was having and was uh, sort of broadcasting it to its followers. So I thought that leads us on to, uh, to maybe a couple of topics. Um, and the, the one we'll tackle today is, what is your value as a DIY musician? So in other words, as a musician, yep. you know, or solo artist, mm. you're performing your music, yep. why is it that you don't get paid more, or in some cases, why don't you even get paid at all yep. for what you do? Now, obviously there's various as uh, aspects of being a musician, but we're just gonna primarily concentrate on the live music performing aspects. And I would say that if you're trying to determine your worth, if you're trying to determine your, your value, you as a musician, you have two types of value. You've got a commercial value and you have an artistic value. So would you say your commercial value is like your brand value? Yeah, pretty okay. much. So commercial value, you could also say, is your market 
value. So in other words, in a capitalistic society, how much money can be made from what you actually do? So myself, as a, as a way of an example, I'm in a band. Our band has got a reasonably large following. We can play gigs throughout the majority of the, of the United Kingdom. At those gigs will be several hundred people, upwards to, to maybe 900 people was, the, uh, was our highest uh, attended uh, individual gig. Last year, obviously, <clears throat> ticket prices, for us it's maybe 14 to 15 pounds a ticket on average. So if you get several hundred people each and every night, we have a commercial value that can be exploited either by a promoter or a venue directly. So in other words, because we can generate um, money, income, ticket sales, somebody could take advantage from that and then we will appropriately take what is normally going to be a percentage of those um, takings. So effectively you're saying you have a kudos factor, don't you? Well, we have an audience. We have an audience who are willing to pay for what we do, so that mm. accumulates in a in a sort of market value. Because we have an audience as well, as well as doing gigs, we are, in terms of medium-sized festivals, we're quite popular at medium-sized festivals, because they know that if they book us and put us on the festival poster, because people like us and know of us, they see us on the lineup, they'll go, all oh, right, I am now willing to buy a ticket for that particular festival because that band, along with all the other bands that are on the festival... It's a point of recognition, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a point of recognition. Again, so, so we have some value. People can make money from us, so therefore, in return, we will receive a proportion of that money back. And that's basically how, it, to, to a certain degree, how capitalism works. So if you've got an audience, you have some monetary value if you only have a very small audience i would argue and you know we can, we can discuss this that in commercial terms you probably don't have that much in the way of a, of a market value because no one's wi really willing to pay for 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 your your entertainment well that's the thing i mean coming back to the initial point that you said was the the the, the twitter feed was that you know why are you taking a gig the other side of the country and if, if, then bemoaning, if you're not at least going to have the costs covered of doing that gig, if your value isn't even that much to cover your costs, then it's the wrong gig well, to do. Yeah, well, no, I would argue you could regard that as a loss leader. That's, that's, fi that's, that's fine for yes, me. Yes, but in this situation, they're not. And Well, you know, again, you, you might wish to take a gig because that will give you a, a little bit of kudos. I've done gigs in the maybe not so recent past whereby I think I would have been necessary, I would have liked more money for that particular gig. However, in terms of maybe profile building, and this was quite a prestigious music conference slash sort of festival. So to be seen to be playing this festival has maybe some, <coughs> some value in, in itself, if, I, not, if not sort of monetary value. I, I certainly get that, but yeah. I don't think that that was the case. They just wanted to do a gig in Brighton. Well, for, that's, for, which is fine. It's a very nice place. Yes, but don't bemoan that it's going to cost you. I mean, I don't know how on earth they came to the cost of seven hundred pounds. Did they hire their own train? Uh, well, it, train tickets are expensive, but we'll, we'll talk maybe more about pounds, shillings, and pence in the next uh, episode. I would just—it just does. It just—I don't get it. So, as a DIY artist, if you have a large audience who are willing to pay for what mm. you do, then you have a—you have a monetary, you have a commercial. This value. is purely from a gig perspective. This is purely it? from a gig perspective. I mean, and I, I would say that also as well, that 
as a performing musician, if you play cover songs, yep. then you have a slightly more increased commercial value. Because then, the point of recognition is stronger. Yeah. So in other words, some, mm. so because the, the people who would be generally in attendance in maybe a uh, non-ticketed event, so in other words, if you're paying to entertain people in a pub or club of a Friday, yeah. Saturday mm. or a Sunday night, those people are going to, like you say, in terms of a point of recognition, want to be listening to songs that they are familiar with and that they like already. Because that's really what they do. They're there to hear the song rather than hear the band. Yes. So in terms of coming back to what is your your value, your artistic value from a gigging perspective, I would say your value is the amount of people that went to your last gig. Well, I would say, well, yeah, but I would say that was, that's um, commercial value. Yeah, if we, sorry. If you have a look at artistic... say commercial value. If you want to look at artistic value, I've, I put a loose <clears> definition down here. The value that other people place on your work, which is over and above its market value. And that's based upon that particular person's critical evaluation of what you do. If we're going to artistic value, I don't know this Jeff Coons, which I know you'll probably talk about being a bit more detailed, but if we take the Turner Art Prize, which is kind of like with Damien Hirst and all stuff like modern that. Modern art. Modern art. I do like, and I'm, I'm not, I am slightly digressing, but I know this is something that you appreciate as much as I do. I like the fact that the K Foundation made a mockery of the Turner Prize by offering double the winner's amount for the worst piece of art. For what they perceive to be the worst. Yes. Art is very subjective. And I have written down here, this very week, in fact, I think it was yesterday at the time we recorded this, yeah. uh, Jeff Coons's rabbit piece uh, fetched the most amount of money for a mm. living, for a piece of work by a living, living artist. Art. $91 million. Well, people like it. So if somebody... Yeah, but... So, who was it bought by? Does anyone know? Was it I bought by a financial institution? I don't know. Because they're the only ones that own violins. Well, possibly. It's probably good investment as well. That's what it becomes. Because when he carks it. Ding, 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 ding. Which is what makes me laugh about the Banksy piece that destroyed itself after it sold. Very good. So if somebody appreciates what you do and sees it as just more than it, over and above its, its commercial value. Can I go find a picture for the rabbit piece because I'm curious to, you, I have yeah, no idea can, what it is. You can, yeah, you, ding. Ding, there it is. All right. It's not worth 91 so, million So this particular person who's willing to pay more than your sort of commercial value, it could well be someone who's very much a fan of the genre of music that you're in. It could be somebody who wants to be maybe a benefactor of the arts. They could just simply be a fan and really like what you do, and they will pay you lots of money for just being you. So the example I've got down here is the late, great Tony Wilson of uh, Factory Records. and Just for the Americans, you might not know who he's... Who, you who, should know who he's. Google him. But he, he was... what was I he would, New Order? Uh, well, he was, he, he was the record label. Right, for New Order. okay. He was a philanthropist, which is somebody who does something for the benefit of others. Yep. So he formed Factory Records and helped set up the, the Hacienda for the benefit of the artists who would sign to the label and the nightclub was for the benefit of the, the people of Manchester giving them a, you know, a hub and a place to go. And he wasn't really in it for the money because he, goodness knows, all, all these ventures went belly up most of the time. He was in it to Didn't further... Blue the... Monday cost him money? Yeah, they lost money on every <laughs> copy that they originally <laughs> sold. But again, he's not in it for the money. 
in it because, you know, he's in it for was the art. Was he arts. a philanthropist back then? Yes. Really? Yeah. Well, so, hats off to the guy. In, you know, if you're, if you're a band, so maybe you're an indie band, and you could well hook up and team up with somebody who puts on indie nights, and they really love indie music, and they might be the sort of person who actually cherishes and value what you do and want to be seen to be investing in your output and your product and maybe that's the sort of person who will pay you more than your commercial value because they want to reward you for what you do. Now the trouble is that it's those sorts of promoters in terms of getting back to a live music capacity, those sorts of promoters are very few and, and far, far between. between. And the majority of that, the promoters or people who run venues, are very much just looking at the, the sheer money behind the finances till. of it all. One other thing that we've not also discussed is that um, a certain amount of value is based upon the scarcity of a product. And if you're a band... What? And you want uh, to be you're paid. You're doing a gig in your hometown every week. No, what I would what I would say is, if you're being paid, you know, if you want to be paid quite a large amount of money to perform at a particular venue on yeah. a particular night, there could well be lots of other artists and performers in that vicinity who will undercut you and go, "Oh well, I'll do it for uh, for less than that." And that's the the market forces. But then it becomes the lowest cost denominator, which then becomes then it completely undervalues everything. It's a shame that more musicians don't actually join the Musicians' Union, where you, you collaboratively set a bar level, and that way then your value will increase. But at the moment, everyone's grasping at straws. Fight for your rights. Exactly. I don't, the amount of people, I would suggest, out of all the people that come through the door here, probably only 5% are actually with the MU and probably even less than that, actually, with PRS. Making an investment in your career. Protecting so, yourself. To try and sort of sum it all up, and if you want to get paid more at the end of all this, that's more or less what we've sort of been coming to. How do you do that? Well, first and foremost, you probably have to concentrate on building your audience, growing your fan base, because the larger your audience and your fan base is, the greater the possibility that at some point you will be able to get money from that particular audience who will pay to see you when you do a show. Try and research promoters who aren't necessarily just in, in it, it for, for the, money. the money. And there's, there's nothing wrong with being in it for the money. I mean, obviously, you run your studio, Greg, as a, as a you know, philanthropic uh, endeavour. <laughs> no, he just, he just wants cold hat. There's no, nothing, you know, I, to a certain degree, if I did, I'd be a plumber. With somebody wanting to make money. You've got to make music. it. You've got to make it sustainable. And I, I mean, I think there's a difference between prioritizing profit uh, and trying to make something sustainable and better and accessible. You know, uh, that which is, I'm the latter. Otherwise, if I was interested in profit, I'd probably be a banker. So, um, if you were. A musician at slash performer, Greg, which you're not currently at the moment. Yes. Would, and somebody asked you to do a gig and they said, oh, there's no money in it, you know, we'll get you a few beers. Would you do it? No. What would be your criteria for doing it or not? Do, would, you, would, you, would you always not and, do it? Unfortunately, uh, I think ultimately, I don't believe musicians should do, or anyone involved in music should do favours because they're never really, truly appreciated. They're just taken for granted. 
So uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't help people out, but I think it should be, that helping someone out is different to, oh, can I, you know, can you just, so to speak. Um, so it depends. If it's a local gig, uh, then maybe, but the problem is with when someone wants you to do something for nothing, then the likelihood is they wanted everyone else who's contributing towards that night to do something for nothing. So what you end up with is you end up with somebody who's provided a PA, which will be rubbish for nothing, you know, because anybody who actually has anything, any decent resources, isn't going to be able to afford to contribute them for nothing because how would they buy them? So I think it becomes a spiral effect. I think jam nights or open mic nights are, are really not a great idea because you just get the dregs and then you're associated with the dregs who are just people who are drunk who just want to get up and do a bit of singing, which is fine, but that's, that's separate. That's no different to karaoke. And nobody kind of goes, oh, I've been out doing karaoke at the weekends as if it's, they're a musician. So I do think the problem, to summarise, is that the moment you start doing stuff where people are expecting you to do something for free, then the likelihood is they've wanted everything else done for free. So the overall quality of the night will be terrible. And the actual return of your time investment will be very limited. I would argue that most... No. Everything's on, on a on a case by case basis, but again, the 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 more gigs that you would offer to play for free, the more you probably devalue. And you're just expected yourself. to do yeah. it for free, unless it's live aid. Of course, yes, <laughs> I've done, yes. Which it isn't. Charity is is possibly the topic of another. Uh... So yeah, so basically, I what what impression are you creating um and also there's no you know if it's a free night nobody's there to enjoy to listen to music you're literally background noise so um what it might be worth yourself doing now is as a point of reflection maybe have a think in terms of the, maybe the size of your audience calculating your worth maybe it's uh, it may well be a case that you want to uh, seek out maybe better promoters somebody who are willing to invest more in in the artists who and are willing to pay for their artistic value rather than just um, being too concerned in just getting as many gigs as possible and even if those uh, those gigs don't necessarily pay well or at all so your home the hometown one you know the town that you reside how many times do you do a gig here? Me? Yes, in, with your band, in your hometown. Uh, once a year. Why is that? Um, because scarcity, to a certain degree, creates demand. demand. So for us, and we are, because we are a very, we're a very time-poor band, we're only a part, well, we're a, part, we're a full-time band on part-time hours, which means we don't have that much That's of an opportunity right. to actually be a blooming band. So we only have a small amount of time where we actually play shows. So we've got to make each one of those count. So even so. though we could probably play our hometown two or three times a year and sell out the venue where we're playing, by, making, by playing only once... People we, we, don't miss it, do they? No, that's it. It becomes, a, um, it becomes an event. It it's is. very much an event rather than just something, oh, I'll, I'll see those next yeah. time. And I think that's the thing, when you, got, you get bands who are trying to do a paid, a ticketed gig somewhere, but then the week before, they're playing somewhere closer to their hometown for free. And then wondering why people aren't going to the ticketed gig the week after. And it's like, well, you, you've, the reason that has happened is because you've created that situation. Talking about time poor band, 
I think Stupenders rehearses more than Bernard. I think he might do, but that's we're just talking amongst yes. ourselves there. That, that, that was an in-house game. Mean nothing to you. Right, thank you very much for uh, watching this week's episode. Again, if you're on the YouTube, subscribe. Uh, leave us Smash a rating the on the, your platform, uh, podcast platform of choice. And until next time, we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya.